opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard left, who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right, to right wing. The hard left agenda, printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that sort of hard left wing position. Okay, right. So did everyone hear that? I don't know if that will include that on our on our final recording. Um, but yeah, so uh, we just had uh, uh, an incident where I didn't record uh, the first half hour or so of our conversation. So we Jack, Jack has Havana syndrome, by the way. This is what's causing any any technical glitches and errors. Um, they've they've beamed they've beamed communism into his mind. Yeah, we we were lot there. See, there were some funny jokes earlier about how I'm an intelligence asset, or I'm not. In fact, there was some of that. Um, I'm trying not to have a panic attack about losing <laughs> all this material. Um, uh, yeah. So I have said that it would be best if we just go into it uh, and uh, uh, and just carry on, uh, not as if nothing had happened, has happened. We'll admit that something has happened, but we just... Oh, it was such a strong start as well. It was such a fucking strong start. And now it's just this, like, rambling shit where people are going to be like, oh, God, this podcast is <laughs> fucking worse. Like, most... Look... Look, if, if if people didn't like the rambling shit, they wouldn't have be they wouldn't have subscribed. They wouldn't they wouldn't be tuning in. Like it's our signature style. We'll be fine. Look, all, all I'm saying is we simply dropped so many explosive libels and truth bombs that multiple recording softwares just refused to have any of it. Okay, so maybe we'll do a little uh, poetic reading series at the end. Uh, I, I that was how I kicked off the episode, but you know what? It won't have the same power, the awesome <laughs> power of Christ. Uh, reading it a second time round, so we're just gonna go and uh, talk about this political stuff. Uh, I'm gonna s- <laughs> not cry. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good ambition to have. If if we get to the end of an episode and Jack's not crying done good today uh, to, to quote bob dylan baby please baby, stop crying, please stop crying. Stop crying and baby in this case crying, being me baby, i'm baby crying, one could say um so yeah what we were talking about uh before we realized we'd had not even a technical difficulty just a fuck up on my end i just didn't hit record on anything what we were discussing was uh the the latest relaunch by Keir Starmer. Uh I don't you know is every day a relaunch with this man? Like uh today is the apologize relaunch. He's really emphasizing Labour's great apology policy, a real a, a radical prospectus for government. We we're gonna kindly ask people to apologize which of course they will as the first thing in their press conference and then we'll just be like oh 
Now what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> well, I didn't. This is the last thing we, it's we, just, we wanted to it's happen. It's just really good practice to always apologise for all your misgivings, unless there are an overseas war with over a million people killed, in which case you should never apologise well, and actually double down. Well, precisely. And indeed, that was really how we arrived at our previous topic of discussion. I was apologising, in a way... For a, 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 a libel of sorts that I posted, which which yes I did not delete because I got distracted by realizing that we hadn't recorded. I was considering deleting this, uh, but yeah, I may have done a, a little false news. Just done, just just done a false news. We all done a false news. This got a laugh when I did it first time around. Fuck. See, it was so <laughs> natural. It was so natural in take one. So yeah, I, I I posted some information uh, that I I I feel may have have been slightly misleading, and 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 I I have considered posting clarification. However, nobody has yet corrected me. <laughs> so this is in the spirit of of honesty, of intellectual credibility uh, that I I am uh, saying this now. How long will the tweet have been up by the time this is edited and released? It depends if I end up <laughs> deleting it. Uh, so far, never it, melt, never back down, never melt. So far, it has been up for about two hours. Um, now, the previous tweet is relatively incon- uncontroversial, you know. So obviously, uh, welcome to True Anon, folks. I'm Brace, uh, and uh, say hi, Liz. Well, okay, Geraint isn't gonna do the role play. Particularly can't pull that impression off. <laughs> I have tried many times, but no, I can't do the vocal fry. It's not happening. Can Can you do a young Chomsky? <laughs> I don't. I, I, don't, I don't think he does. But I've I've not listened. Is to Is that him. not just sort of saying one word comments, but like sounding like a way in the distance? Yeah, I don't know what he sounds like. Uh, okay, <laughs> just play a synthesizer. Um, <laughs> but anyway, enough banter about other podcasts and their their running jokes and themes. Um, so on, on, on yeah, so in, this is obviously the kind of stuff that True and On talk about. Uh, the the Jeffrey Epstein trial. <laughs> no wait the jeffrey epstein trial uh, is, not, is not going on right now yeah 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 maybe he's being uh yeah subjected to the vengeance of the devil but um <laughs> no uh jeffrey epstein and uh, depending on who you believe either was not willing to go to trial himself or uh a, a vast shadowy cabal were not willing for him to go to trial uh, and made sure that didn't happen. But anyway, his uh, consigliere, Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, is is currently on trial. And um, as evidence today, uh, the the prosecution produced a picture of uh, Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell hanging out at a log cabin owned by the Queen in her Balmoral property uh, in approximately 1999, uh, when Prince Andrew, the Queen's son, 
Jeffrey Epstein's close friend uh, who is currently embroiled in a uh, in a sexual abuse lawsuit of his own uh, linking in with the Epstein stuff he was his guest so somebody called Omid Scobie who I suppose is a journalist that sounded very condescending. I'm just saying I don't know who this person is, but I just saw this one tweet. Like, a so-called journalist, Omid Scobie, this cunt. No, I literally don't know who this person is. Posted a tweet that included this picture of Epstein and Ghislaine set outside the log cabin, along with a different picture of the Queen uh, and, I don't know, some other world-leading paedophile or something, sat outside. Actually, looks kind of like Stephen Hawking. Maybe I need to look closer. Not Stephen Hawking. Sorry, Stephen King. <laughs> Stephen <laughs> Stephen Hawking. You know, it's it's in there. You can't have um you can't have Stephen Hawking without Stephen King. Am I right? Anyway, no, they don't actually look much like Stephen King on closer inspection. But I don't know who's with the Queen. Anyway, look, they're clearly the light's different in the two pictures, right? As a a warm glow surrounding the Queen, as befits one who has a God-given right to the throne. That's the famous, not actively a paedophile glow. conspicuously lacking from the other three people in, across the two photos yeah uh, so, no you're right checks out. you're right sorry yeah I, I i i do believe in the divine right of kings uh but i don't believe it applies to chicks charles i actually had a dream that, that's a very david blunkett sort of <laughs> i actually had a dream last night where prince charles died i just realized like it was just literally like prince charles died age 77 and, and it was just everyone that was making fun of him for the fact that he, he never became king he, <laughs> he lived so long without ever becoming king <laughs> That would be really funny, but I, I think it would be funnier if he was, like, king for a week and then died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, so, yeah, there's very different lighting in retrospect in these two pictures. Like, lighting, I don't know, that makes it sound like it's a film <laughs> a film set. <laughs> <laughs> the Queen has literally staged this photo with a crack camera crew to make it look like she wasn't, like, just out of shot in the photo of Epstein and Ghislaine. <laughs> Look, I was there at a different time, a completely different time, honest. (laughs) So I may have jumped the gun a little bit. I saw this tweet on the timeline and I was just like, there, the smoking gun, if you will. Because we know that the Queen has been pouring all these funds into defending Prince Andrew. Uh, Her love for him is unconditional. He is her favourite son. And I imagine it... She's taken it pretty hard, the reputational damage that he has endured for allegedly being a paedophile. Because we were saying, we were saying this <laughs> in take one. The Queen, who, who the fuck gets sued by the Queen? Probably some of the major British newspapers. What fucking... Yeah, mem- probably a long list of people. <laughs> <laughs> what member of the public... Look, I'm just banking on the fact that I won't have to do a please retweet apology for the Queen. Prin- <coughs> Prince Andrew, however, allegedly a paedophile. Prince Andrew does... Uh, he-, he-, he does get involved in lawsuits. Uh, although, I mean, look, it's a thing... Like, so many people have, uh, <laughs> have called him it now. <laughs> but it's gonna... You know, there's only so many times that you can, um, 
you know, do the Andrew Spooner thing. Right, I'm going directly to the Daily Mail. I'm I'm telling everybody about this at this false allegation. Everyone knows a lot of people believe the allegation, so he's in a tricky position. Yeah, he's he's definitely the full Wayne Wayne Lineker. It's there's there's no real dispute there. I don't think. <laughs> anyway, we're not a Jeffrey Epstein podcast. We're a, we're a podcast that uh, pro or anti. <laughs> Sorry, that makes it sound like we're taking a centre ground. Yeah, we are but... we are an anti Epstein podcast, but we but 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 being anti Epstein is not <laughs> Epstein our focus. Ag- agnostic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that well, you know, as as Bob Dylan, the truth is in the middle. <laughs> as Bob Dylan said on uh, the song "Precious Angel," you either got faith or unbelief. And there ain't no middle ground. This is very much what I believe, that there ain't no middle ground. You're either with Jeffrey or you're against him. Of course, we are a pro. Uh, no. Uh, so, we, as as an anti-Epstein but not exclusively anti-Epstein podcast, our interest in this story uh, relates more to something that is really a, a, an abiding focus of our work, which is our critique of the liberal centre. So, Keir Starmer, yeah, that guy, yeah, we're, yeah, we're talking about him again. What, you think we drop the vendetta? Never. What is this thing like, what are we going to get? What, 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 what could he do to make us stop hating him? I'm not going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I a, I don't Just think... in case one of our enemies ever listens to <laughs> yeah, it. I don't think resign would quite cut it. I think, I, I think I'd still hate him in that case. Yeah. We... <laughs> yeah, well, I, t- I, did, I did actually tweet, you know, uh, obviously Starmer with his, his big apology relaunch. He's asking the government for an apology. And I would like here Starmer to apologise to me for all the wrong he has done yeah. me. For stealing the future, yeah. I would like a personal apology uh, to Keir Starmer. We know they've kept membership lists from at least back to when he took over, so there's no excuse for us not to all get an apology. And, uh, everyone, I think, deserves an apology, but especially me. And I didn't mean... No one should apologise <laughs> to Keir Starmer. I said to by accident there. From. Hashtag Starmer <laughs> apologise. Uh, to quote uh, the great thought leader... Aisha Hazarika, you know, I saw this tweet and I thought, finally, someone gets it. <laughs> Just so we're clear, the Downing Street party was all Labour's fault. Exactly. That is what I've been saying. And people are just like, look, this hatred of Starmer just verges on the fanatical. I say, that, look, there's nothing verging about it. Yeah, we're, we're very open about this being <laughs> like a, a full-time anti-Starmer podcast and, and related twitter feeds right? yeah yeah exactly i mean because that's always what we've done we've 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 attacked the center and and the center not that i think they're gonna go from electoral strength to strength or anything but they're having a little moment right now where they're feeling quite Ooh. emboldened so fuck these cunts is what i'm saying <laughs> to put it to put it lightly fuck these cunts so keir starmer was in parliament today praising the queen's moral authority and leadership during the pandemic i mean god has the unelected figurehead shown more leadership than keir starmer that's a good question i don't know what she's done so uh, that that 
that instantly gives me a more favorable view of the queen than Keir Starmer but nonetheless <laughs> I am I'm not a monarchist and and this brown nosing this sycophancy strikes rather a different tone to the Jeremy Corbyn years when he wouldn't attack the monarchy you know he'd say look it's not Labour policy to abolish the monarchy because 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 it wasn't number one on the agenda you know, there were other constitutional reform issues that Labour planned to address, but it would have been a real kind of like, you know, red meat for the tabloids. And I'm not saying you need to cower before the tabloids. But look, everyone knew Jeremy Corbyn was a Republican, but he didn't make a big deal of it. Uh, I'm sure he praised the Queen's public service or some crap a couple of times. I think he did, like, even uh, not that long ago, uh, no longer as leader. But, the, but Keir Starmer was just giving it the full, like, oh, the Queen, woe is me, the poor Queen, the most hard-done-by person in the country, having to attend her husband's funeral alone. And it just reminded me of the, of last year's Gapecast Christmas special where Mike Gapes was complaining, you know, oh, none of you know, none of you stupid servants know what it's like to have to be away from your family at Christmas. Please bring me more Christmas pudding, servant. <laughs> you know, like, it, 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 it's just kind of like you're asking us to feel sorry for the fucking queen. Come on, man. Yeah, it's it's, it's a line also taken yesterday by one Oz Katerji. <laughs> maybe he's got a direct line to the uh, Labour Sorry, I, I, as a devotee of the centrist, again, thought leadership of Neera Tandon, I thought that guy was called Oz Katerji. Maybe. Well, you know, he signed that letter condemning Labour. Oh, yes, uh, along, yes, along, yes. Alongside, <laughs> alongside Spider-Man <laughs> actor Tom Holland from Spider-Man. Yeah. And was it John Lacara as well, who's dead? <laughs> I think he was still alive. Point, <laughs> yeah, no, he, no, he no, no, no. Well, he was dead. Oz Katerji uh, faked his signature. Come on. No. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. No, not even allegedly. That was a joke. I'm, look, I'm scared of that guy. He, he's a dangerous individual. <laughs> hey, he's like four foot tall. What's he going to No, no I'm not physically scared of him. Fucking hell. Like, oh, you <laughs> Gonna come, gonna come at me with his like fucking perv plus glasses or whatever. This is a guy whose own articles got tagged by the vice editor as like approach you know, harassing girls in the park or something as like the tag on the article. <laughs> you know, a, a, a real uh, courageous investigative journalist anyway yeah if if, if if you if if someone's trying to hide in in your glove box in your car he will root them out with he, just the, the power of journalism he was rooting through that glove box for ages just like where is the person are they behind this like every, AA every other journalist was like no there's no immigrants hiding in the glove box <laughs> human beings can't fit in there and oz climbing right into the it, like through through the keyhole on the glove box because he's so small he was like <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> He's like, have you seen Doctor Who? They're like, no, Oz, we checked. Yeah. It's not bigger on the inside. He's like, never mind, I'm going in. <laughs> it descended to like a subatomic level and eventually found a family right there at the back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, since we're like retracing our steps, and now I'm having some fun doing it, admittedly, we're covering new ground. Bold new ground. We're innovating the podcast form. 
this is kind of how previously uh, we, we got into talking about David Blunkett. And this is how, basically. So, just the timing of this is incredible. Look, it may or may not. It may, it does not. The picture does not show the Queen and Epstein hanging out at Balmoral in the words of a tweet by an unidentified anonymous Twitter troll I won't name but follow and subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> okay, it didn't show that, but it nonetheless showed that Epstein this fucking world renowned uh, not in a good way <laughs> world reviled fucking paedophile and sex trafficker was hanging out at the queen's fucking private pad like that's pretty big you know you know you know it, come on come on that's bad and, and it's just you know what keir starmer said today uh, about the queen's moral authority it was like an echo of what boris johnson said um during the televised non-debates i don't think you can really call what they had at the last election like proper tv debates it was like put them up separately and then have andrew neil shout at one of them separately to that like it's not not it's not a debate man um but in the televised faux debates like there, there was a question about prince andrew and epstein and all that uh, and Corbyn said something like, oh, it's pretty concerning, you know, bad establishment, paedophilia, not good. And everyone was like, actually, Jeremy, it is, you fucking prick. <laughs> uh, or ra no, rather, they, they, they were like, fuck, okay, right, um, this is so self-evidently true. Uh, aha, he pronounced Epstein <laughs> with a shh sound. <laughs> Which I believe it's been said that I, I think, like, the, the, the prosecution or someone is doing that at the trial of a judge, like, something like that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, just terrible to see how deeply anti-Semitism has seeped into the US judicial system. But, um, but yeah, anyway, then Boris Johnson came up at the non-debate and said, uh, no, the royal family beyond, the, beyond reproach, establishment paedophilia, absolutely fine. Um, and everyone was like, got him. Fuck that Corbyn cunt. Uh, and, uh, like, uh, so Starmer's just doing that today, and then this story comes out. It is mind-boggling, just like, you could have picked any other day just to blow smoke up the Queen's ass. you know? I'm sure he does shit like, he probably does do shit like this every other PMQs, and it was just unfortunate that this happened on a, a PMQs day. Yeah, just great timing, and obviously it just brought to mind uh, a couple of weeks ago, Starmer, uh, it was, was it just before the Shadow Cabinet came out, actually, the Shadow Cabinet reshuffle was announced, Starmer brought some new people on in, in, in ad yes, advisory roles. So Keir Starmer did a speech to the CBI, the Confederation of British Industry, uh, for those who are not deeply involved in the private sector, like myself. Shout me if you want investment tips. I hear that Starmer coin is up at the moment. So it was a pretty bad speech. It, it, it fed into the lie uh, that John McDonnell did not always emphasise rigorous, uh, possibly to a fault, fiscal discipline 
uh, in his role as um, Shadow Chancellor. Uh, it basically shat on the 2017 and 19 manifestos as unserious, you know, saying never again will Labour go to the country with an unserious left-wing agenda. It followed this deeply austerian economic logic and framing on spending which was just you know labor don't think the solution to every problem is to throw cash at it they're gonna run a tight ship they're not gonna spend money for the sake of it and then there was this other little nugget that they were bringing back david blunkett to prepare young people for work (laughs) (laughs) like you know and this is like one of those kind of it's not it's not a major job not a shadow cabinet position. It, it, it's the kind of DOS job that you do for an hour a week when you're in the House of Lords. But nonetheless, Starmer is is very consciously associating himself with David Blunkett, this uh, this inveterate Blairite, you know, unreconstructed relic of New Labour. So this was bad enough. Like the idea that this guy uh, with a long legacy of just attacking the most vulnerable in society including young people especially young people on benefits or in precarious work uh or or you know from all the various ethnic minority backgrounds who he's targeted or gay young people uh, who we'll get to in a minute uh or whatnot uh you know that was worrying in itself but just the fact it's preparing young people for work like fucking hell i remember when the labor party offered young people hope i remember when the labor party offered young people a better future didn't want to fucking prepare them uh you know uh, turn them into these soulless automatons to join the workforce um so yeah so 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 david blunkett is in is in the like stick the fucking indolent youth on the conveyor belt into soulless jobs advisory position this was announced as part of starmer's keynote address to the cbi she also included such nuggets as when business profits we all do (laughs) and reiterated rachel reeves statement that she gave to the murdoch times that Labour had abandoned public ownership of of energy. Two days after that or something, a documentary aired on the BBC to commemorate the 30th anniversary of Freddie Mercury's death, in which David Blunkett was featured as one of the most prominent homophobic talking heads. In archival footage, of course, from 1991, um, We'll get to uh, whether he's since repudiated these views shortly. Uh, Spoiler, nah. But anyone who's read John Stone's thread on New Labour and all the major New Labours and what pieces of shit they are and all the attacks on migrants and poor people, most vulnerable, that, that they were responsible for, it goes through all that stuff pretty exhaustively and names the names of who was the ringleader of which specific fucking thing. And Blunkett's record is really, really awful. But Keir Starmer could not have known that he would be featured uh, in that documentary uh, in a couple of days time after giving him that role being massively homophobic claiming that uh, freddie mercury lived a uh, bizarre and unacceptable lifestyle 
<laughs> and and yeah, I, do, I, I somehow don't feel uh, this was re- referring to Queen's bizarre and unacceptable lifestyle choice to violate the cultural boycott of apartheid South Africa. You, you get the sense that this is kind of like these weird, these immoral gay people kind of like that, that he was targeting in his comments. It's just a, it's just a, a rake stepping thing, you know. <laughs> it's like how, how, how could that happen? I mean, how could it happen? David Blunkett is a fucking cunt. That's how it could happen. Yeah. When you appoint somebody who's a fucking asshole, then not only uh, are people going to be able to produce archival evidence of them being assholes, it might happen to you know be produced in a, a widely viewed documentary about a beloved rock star watched by millions across Britain, but he's then going to immediately come out and say the same stuff because David Blunkett is David Blunkett. Yeah. I mean, even in a parallel universe where he'd come out and said, I don't hold those views anymore. That's a bit embarrassing. Or if he just stayed quiet on it about it and a lot of people would have assumed he would have changed his views to some extent. Like it would have blown up in Starmer's face within a few weeks anyway, because it's David Blunkett. <laughs> He's just a gun. The the other example being, you know, the the most recent scandal before the the current one, obviously, was about MPs taking second jobs and absolutely lining their pockets. And that's one of Blunkett's past disgraces and and resignations was because he was doing that on at the time a very large scale <laughs> yeah most Blairites uh, waited some, until some security after. firms that, that stood to benefit from from things like ID cards if it ever successfully got them introduced <laughs> what yeah I mean, what a piece <laughs> of shit. open corruption yeah at least most Blairites like waited till after they were no longer ministers sometimes they were still MPs before they took their cushy private sector jobs you know he just yeah. flagrantly did it on the job but yeah so like the day after the Freddie Mercury documentary aired where you know a lot of people were like fucking hell that's repugnant from david blunkett nothing nothing from starmer like remember when he appointed um that nita clark idiot like emily ben's yeah. mum uh, to, to uh lasted a day or two she was she was yeah. gonna like it was in charge of like bringing the party together or something like the, the party yeah. unity review and she was just like a mad blairite zealot just that was an entertaining twitter yeah <laughs> that was a different dynamic because like most of us just hadn't heard of her yeah and then it's like he appoints her and then within about an hour it's like oh god she's terrible and awful and this is a disaster um, so he just sacked her immediately before she even yeah. could do the job. Already, so sacked. I, suppo- I suppose it's a sign that the right feel emboldened that they're just doing that with people like Blunkett, who everyone's heard of, everyone knows is a cunt. Hang on, smashing up my room with rage at David Blunkett there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking hell, it's yeah. a very violent episode. Yeah, but they obviously know that there will be criticism and blowback for the point in Blunkett, and they don't care. Yeah, they're just riding it out. Nobody uh, connected to the leadership has said anything about this. It is not even a scandal on their radar. If this was like uh, somebody Corbyn appointed, uh, you know, Matt Zarb cousin would have had to take like 500 calls from journalists about this in, in, in the space of an hour. Like... It would be accepted proof within a day, for years, by the, the entire lobby, every lobby journalist, that Jeremy Corbyn himself was homophobic, and, and that's why he'd appointed a homophobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's how it works, but 
if it's someone you like or a faction that you broadly like, you don't even acknowledge that the, the giant homophobe himself is a giant unashamed homophobe. Yeah, so so I mean, let's, let's just follow Blunkett's journey over these few days before we get to him finally addressing the comments. So Blunkett then did a great article in the Daily Mail where he hit out at, at, at the woke trans BLM. The, the woke trans BLM of yore, uh, who uh, th- that was th- that was like the writing in the, the shitty little cartoon they had. Didn't he? I can't remember if there were like three different placards or just random words appearing in the sky. Uh, not not a good cartoon. Anyway, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it, it had the effect that the cartoon had the effect of making David Blunkett look like quite a disturbed individual. So yeah, in yeah, a it was way, a really funny. It's actually picture. one of the more successful political cartoons I've seen in a long time. <laughs> yeah. So Blunkett wrote in in that Monday's Daily Mail that he loved Radio Four until it was hijacked by the left. So yeah, I'm just looking at the, the woke trans BLM picture now with steam coming out of Blunkett's ears. <laughs> it's great, actually. You think you, a left winger could have could have drawn that, you know, just like <laughs> the, making fun of him for being a, an old man yelling at a woke trans BLM cloud. So he basically like went off on this huge rant about how the BBC. Well, no, the BBC. But you could say, oh well, he's taking out his rage on the BBC for airing the Freddie Mercury documentary. Actually, no, he did that separately. <laughs> he specifically targeted Radio 4 uh, in, in, in his column for the Daily Mail, uh, in which he, he said that without listing any actual examples from their programming, that it was all just woke left-wing nonsense about appeasing, you know, the woke trans BLM. And he didn't cite any examples of things within the programming that irked him but he cited a couple of shows which were the archers and uh, the now show <laughs> and yeah the, as Geraint said there's a picture of the now show empresarios steve punt and hugh dennis there who are like the most milk toast countries and uh, yeah. uh, comedians in the country i'm pretty sure because of like bbc uh. impartiality they have to have like jeff norcott on the now show or like yeah yeah uh, some, like... some bald bald lee lee bald Lee Her- no, no, he doesn't get anywhere near fucking TV or radio anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... And Lee Kern doesn't get any writing gigs. Lee Kern, the other yeah, Lee no. no, they're not going to hire him. That would be a step too far. <laughs> but like, um, like Punt and Dennis, they've, they've been fairly high profile, I guess, for about thirty years now, and like never had any controversies of any kind ever. They're like pretty much straight down the middle, sort of centrist or sort of liberal centrist types who just don't ever rock any boat ever for anyone. Yeah. It's, particularly absurd to be like singling them out as like extreme ideologies and as you mentioned there with Jeff Norcott they literally have quotas now on BBC radio comedy and current affairs when they're the sort of things that book comedians where they have to have a quota of right-wing comedians yeah the reason they keep putting Jeff Norcott on so much to the point he's probably making insane amounts of money now, certainly compared with before this happened, is because he's one of the only 
openly right-wing comedians that they can put on TV or the radio on short notice and be fairly confident he's not going to be openly racist or do a hate <laughs> yeah, crime. Yeah, yeah. You know? So he, he hoovers up all the bookies and they're, they're trying desperately to find more Jeff Norcott's, but they're all either, like, really shit or just, like, Lee Hurst or, or that fucking guy who got himself banned off Twitter, Bold? Andrew Lawrence. Oh, yeah, but... Who okay, just Bold, gonna, yeah. But, yeah, just, spiritually like, give, give up on jokes and just be racist. Just, I just, be, you know. just imagining, like, the Now Show producers, like, going through, like, just audition tape after audition tape of right-wing comedians and just getting to, like, two minutes in and just being like, nope, another N-word. Can so- they not use a different example to a helicopter just for a slight <laughs> change? Come on. <laughs> this guy said defence helicopter. Get him on. We've got a talent here. <laughs> So yeah, this is some stupid article by Blunkett. I thought that he did cite an example of something he didn't like in The Archers, but no, he actually cites an example of an older episode of The Archers that he likes, that to be honest, sounds kind of woke mentioned unions and women's liberation i mean you, maybe it concluded that they were all bad how are they the doing the it storyline and that was the moral yeah ma- yeah that could be it anyway he did this stupid article and like the same day or something he was in one of the right-wing papers the telegraph or something attacking migrants and it, it was such a, a powerful stinging attack on desperate refugees fleeing <laughs> impoverished and war-torn nations that Nigel Farage posted a tweet like, wow, yeah, Blunkett really gets it. This guy knows what's going down. And that reminds me, did I read, was it in take two in this current take that I read out the Ayesha Hazarika tweet like she really gets it? I think it was take two. Yeah, okay, well, I hope so. Anyway, it's all Starmer's fault. Uh, no, yeah, I think I think I did. I think I did. I think I, I think I think I read it out. Anyway, so Nigel Farage was like, Blunkett understands the immigration issue in a way that neither of the major parties do. So you can't help but get the sense Keir Starmer wants a bit of that. He wants to be surrounding yep. himself with Nigel Farage approved people. Yeah, and he's doing a damn good job of it. You got to say, he set himself a goal, and he's uh, he's pulling, he's, he's he's making good progress. Yeah, well, uh, that could almost be uh, our segue into the shadow cabinet. But I have one more thing Mate. about Blunkett, which is so the Daily Express. I cite the Daily Express because, uh, like I say, the Blunkett thing did not become a scandal. You know, I thought it's very, you know, people are generally very interested in uh, historic remarks made by uh, politicians, but apparently in this case, not of note to most of the papers, even in light of his new role within the Labour Party. But the Daily Express, ever the intrepid, uh, the home of real journalism, (laughs) they actually did contact Blunkett. So um, when express.co.uk approached Mr Blunkett for a comment on the resurfaced clip, the peer attacked the BBC for misinterpreting him. Lord Blunkett said, for reasons I am not prepared to speculate about, left-wing BBC (laughs) conspiracy, the makers of this otherwise excellent programme chose to misinterpret the thrust of what I was saying. Like, what was the thrust? What did he mean by a bizarre and unacceptable lifestyle? 
This extract from a BBC Question Time 30 years ago was in fact a response to a question and demonstrated a desire to reach out to all those facing the challenges of AIDS prior to the availability of retroviral drugs. Like, yeah, sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, how was he, how are you reaching out to them by being, uh, yeah, you immoral scum? It would be cool if hey, you look, got... look, it's me- not just immoral scum who get this. It would be, like, it would be cool, yeah, no, t- I mean, you know, t- Tom Hanks got it. Maybe that, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe Blunt, I mean, a character portrayed by Tom I, Hanks. Maybe... Is, is it not your, your position, your long-standing position that Tom Hanks is immoral scum for being Tom Hanks? It is, it is my position, yes, but maybe Blunkett was one of the straight people who only came round to realising that AIDS was bad when Jonathan Demme directed Philadelphia in 1993 uh, in which uh, Tom Hanks played a straight man and it, uh, who had AIDS and people were like oh shit straight people and, and white people can get this too damn that's really bad so yeah I'm not sure how uh, Blunkett was like reaching out to people by uh, you know calling them bizarre and unacceptable and I'm like yeah you know uh, I'd like you guys not to die but you know stay the fuck away from me weirdos like fuck this cunt so anyway the express asked him if he'd apologize for his comments and he said that was then now is now what is there to apologize for it's like, well, if now is now, what is now your view on this? You know, what have have you changed your view or do you just petulantly feel that you shouldn't ever have to be accountable for your previous remarks as, as a public figure and a politician? Not an elected figure anymore, obviously, fucking House of Lords. Anyway, we got into the Blunkett thing because it was just an example of the fantastic, like, rake-stepping timing of Keir Starmer. Yes. This guy has better timing than any drummer I know. Right on the dot. Like, it's just, just like he always, like, you know, sacks Rebecca Long Bailey or fucking kicks Corbyn out of a party. Whenever the Tories are involved in some massive scandal, I'm half expecting him to, like, publicly flog and hang John McDonnell for being in the IRA tomorrow or something while the current Tory scandal is going on. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he'll wait until John McDonnell melts on something and then he'll do it <laughs> because he's got to make sure to look as stupid as possible in all of this. <laughs> Seeing as we're talking about Starmer and his latest relaunch, his latest really acclaimed relaunch, I've seen my my my, my friends in in the British. Oh fuck! Okay, just break it off. Robbie Shakespeare has died. Bob Dylan's Infidels, one of my favourite Bob Dylan albums, and Robbie's deep booming bass makes that easily one of the least embarrassing attempts by a classic rock artist to incorporate reggae into their sound, particularly on tracks like Joker Man, I and I, and indeed referenced in the uh, long lost part of this episode, License to Kill. Robbie Shakespeare, all-time legend, played on a lot of great records beside Bob Dylan's Infidels. Big up. Sad about that. Keir Starmer had him killed. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think that... Ro- There's a number of reasons that's unlikely, not least because he has no connection with the UK at all. But <laughs> As DPP, Keir Starmer would have probably put him in jail for playing on Peter Tosh's Legalise It. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> he would have put him in jail as a temporary thing until they figured out how to deport him. <laughs> Look, man, I've got mad respect for any musician who played on Mick Jagger's She's the Boss album in 1985 and also gary barlow's sing album in 2012 well i respect gary barlow uh more now which is still it not respect still minus respect but i respect him more now for (laughs) calling up uh, robbie and did he get sly along as well sly dunbar robbie's musical partner and drummer Uh, i'm learning more about 2012 Gary Barlow solo albums. In fact, it was Gary Barlow and the Commonwealth Band. Oh my so god! So that's quite bad. He was technically part of the Commonwealth Band. Okay, we got to just talk about this album uh, for a second because this sounds fucking awful. With, <laughs> this is like half of it's co-written with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh my god! Um, this is and then there's like there's like covers of like Land and Hope and Glory and God Save. Oh my! You know, you've got to look at this album. This is incredible. This, uh, this is a cursed object. The, fir- the, fir- I, the first two this is, tracks. This has ruined my night. The f- fucking learning about this in the middle of recording. It's actually upset me more than us losing the first. <laughs> This is great. No, I'm loving this. So this is this is the kind of album I love as a historic artifact, but I will never listen to. Uh, (laughs) So so um, this is this album came out in 2012. So so this 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 is like at the height of Gary Barlow's support for the Conservative Party. It was part of the Diamond Jubilee celebrations. So bringing it back to Queen Elizabeth here. uh, Please don't sue me, Your Majesty. Yeah, also, do you think that Starmer got a tip-off from his handlers? Like, yeah, some bad shit about Epstein at Balmoral is going to come out. Her Madge is going to be in a pretty difficult position. Could you fluff her up a bit at PMQs, please, mate? Uh, Yes, I will do anything you say. I'm a pathetic worm. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the first two tracks on this Gary Barwell album are two different versions of the title track, Sing, a co-write with Andrew Lloyd Webber. And the first version of Sing is credited to Gary Barlow and the Commonwealth Band featuring military wives. (laughs) He fucking did have Sly Dunbar on it as well. He did, he had Sly and Robbie. (laughs) Sly and Robbie on Sing by Gary Barlow and the Commonwealth Band featuring military wives. (laughs) What? That's got to be the biggest discrepancy in ability and credibility of two acts playing on the same song. The Military Wives and Sly and Robbie together at last. This is like the most taut. This barely counts as an this... album, man. This is an EP. It's 24 this, minutes. This is cursed. <laughs> like the, the the only song like it's, it's all it's all covers apart from the the title track, right? Yeah. The only song like in its original form you actually want to listen to is Here Comes the Sun. Yeah, in its original form, and not by Gary Barlow and the they've only no, 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 and they've only done that they've only put that on all right probably a really mediocre interpretation of a good song because he'd already recorded it to use in a uk advertising campaign for marks and spencer <laughs> so he's just like yeah bung it on i got a new release coming out the plebs might like that just grasping at straws like oh shit i'm out of material andrew lloyd Fuck webber it. is off uh, voting to immiserate poor people in the house of lords yeah uh, so I, I i shit he what he doesn't have time to do another co-write with me uh so uh what have i got in the can oh yeah here comes the sun and also i guess it's kind of like it's a british classic isn't it you know it's like 
the Beatles. What's what's more British than the Beatles? I suppose music's not drawn... dead, so he can't refuse his permission. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what's more British than the Beatles? I suppose music not drawn from American rock and roll. But, you know, playing Americans influenced by the Beatles. Anyway, yeah, so the rest of the album is Amazing Grace, Stronger as One, I don't know that one, and then rounding it off in a truly patriotic fashion, Land of Hope and Glory and God Save the Queen. <laughs> God save the Queen. This is the same year that Neil Young... Covered by Gary Barlow. That's actually more Tory than his massive tax evasion, I think. (laughs) In 2012, Neil Young actually put out a cover of God Save the Queen as well. It was as part of an album... An album called Americana, which is kind of like a glorified rehearsal session Crazy Horse. It was their first album in nine years together, and they just kind of jammed on all these, like, old American folk songs, so they did, like, She'll Be Coming Around the Mountain, and stuff. Yeah, because there's a few songs like God Save the Queen that there's basically just America has it but with a different name yeah. and different lyrics. So, I mean, obviously Neil is Canadian as well, so he would have actually sung God Save the Queen in school. Or yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I reckon he probably just moved his mouth so, so the teacher didn't jump down his throat. That, that <laughs> well, he sings all the lyrics of God Save the Queen, including the verse that we don't sing anymore about murdering Scottish people. That'll come back, don't worry. <laughs> Let the organism ramp up another couple of years. <laughs> and also, as you were saying, the Americans have their own version of the song, so they sing the... Re- my country tis of Exactly, thee, they man. sing the refrain of My Country Tis of Thee as well. i got to say, I thought it was the worst shit I'd ever heard when I first heard it, but I've come to really like the Neil Young cover of God Save the Queen. It's possibly even more punk than the Sex Pistols God Save the Queen, in my view. I do not want to hear the Gary Barlow version. Well, you never know. The, the Gary Barlow version might be, like, just sort of noise, terror. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, it might um, be really fucking... Might, yeah. might have squalling guitars that have put Neil, yeah. Neil Young at his heaviest to shame. Yeah, maybe. It might be almost unlistenable feedback for 3 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> I guess you could call this God Save the Metal Machine. They might actually have, like, exhumed Edward Elgar and ground his body up to power the recording or something. <laughs> Is it confusing Thomas Arne with Edward Elgar, like when people think that Jimmy Buffett wrote the Pina Colada song? Look, I've spent a lot of time on Wikipedia this evening. You can't expect me to correctly match up the songwriter's column with the track. Yeah, I just literally got it right in front of me. I wouldn't know who wrote God Save the Queen otherwise. But I was just going to ask, because you saw that uh, both Sly and Robbie were on this album, is the Commonwealth Band, because there's annoyingly there's no personnel credits on this Wikipedia page. Maybe there is on Discogs, but like, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look this album up on Discogs. Hitting up now. Gary Barlow on Discogs. <laughs> Gary Barlow sing Discogs. Maybe I'll find uh, like a rare two disc edition with like five more versions of the title track. <laughs> the only reason I found out they were both on it is if you go to the Wikipedia page for the song itself. Oh, it was okay. on about like traveling the world and finding singers to perform. The, that is what I was thinking. The, the Commonwealth Band was the, so... the gimmick of the song is. Him and Lloyd Webber aimed to write the music to the song before Barlow would travel the Commonwealth looking for musicians, singers and contributors and begin writing the lyrics and producing the song as he visited remote villages and country. Uh, remote villages and country. Like Jamaica. Right, <laughs> the remote a... island of Jamaica. Yeah. <laughs> Go to this obscure little town, Jamaica. You've probably not heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? I had to find singers to perform in front of the Queen. 
This is probably the biggest challenge I've ever taken on musically. I'm so excited and thrilled to be a part of it. No, I hadn't heard of Sly and Robbie before, but I spent 10 minutes on Spotify. (laughs) Yeah, a big Infidels fan, I'm sure. Or maybe he's more of an Empire Burlesque guy. He was like, man, the rock solid beat on tight connection to my heart to my smoking so, shit someone someone played him legalize it and told him it was about like offshore accounts <laughs> <laughs> wait no i actually read i'm pretty sure i read an interview of gary barlow where he was talking about like being really depressed and smoking like 10 spliffs a day or something yeah he's heard legalize it <laughs> <laughs> he just hasn't learned that yeah 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 it. it just went in one ear and out the other uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, now let's address this Shadow Cabinet issue. It's taken us an hour. It's taken us more than an hour. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> it's taken us an hour of usable material and half an hour of unusable. Yeah, obviously half an hour of good material. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, there's at least 40 minutes of good material. I think, but... I, I think we pretty much went yeah. over all the shit that we did before, apart from like the shit about Bob Dylan and Mike Gapes. And look, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. People can come to, like, any, probably... any fucking episode of our show if they want to hear me talk about Bob Dylan and Mike Gapes. Yeah, they're not really the most underexplored topics in the great real politics back catalogue. Um... <laughs> yeah, look, it was only a couple of lines and three tweets by Gapes, so if we, wa- if we want, right at the end, maybe we can come back to them, but... Yeah, so I think the best way of doing this Serious is a surprise reshuffle. No one really saw it coming, and then a the day after the rumbling started, he did it. Yeah. And it was the usual drags on for ages, bit chaotic, everyone briefing against everyone, shit. But let's go through the new appointments one by one in the order of how important Wikipedia thinks the position is <laughs> and just say what we think about him. So the first major change that he's done is he has appointed David Lammy to the Foreign Office. Mm. Well, the, the shadow foreign office, obviously. Voted um, for the Iraq War. Voted for the Iraq War. I think this is the highest profile position that David Lammy has had. He has replaced Lisa Nandy, which admittedly, very funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that's great. Nandy, shit cans. And everyone was saying, this may seem like a demotion. This would <laughs> traditionally be viewed as a demotion. It's like, yeah, because it fucking is. Do you seriously... Uh, to be fair... To be fair, her new position, which is like Shadow Minister for Levelling Up or some shit. Like, <laughs> Shadow Minister you are... for some fucking made-up bollocks. No, no, no. <laughs> if you have the position that is literally just repeating the Tory slogan again and again, <laughs> and the, the entire position is based around the Tory's framing, so you lose even if you win when you're briefing versus them, that actually plays really well to Lisa Nandy's skill set. I think it's a great fit. You've done really well there, because she can absolutely repeat... Tory lines uncritically and sometimes more competently than many Tories. <laughs> the Guardian, in multiple articles, were just like totally spinning this shit for Nandy. They were saying, on the face of it, this was a mere editorial, Miss Nandy looks to have been demoted. Like, have you ever heard of Occam's Razor? Like, sometimes the, yeah. the face of it is... is... <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Do you remember Great Offices of State Gate, where oh. this was actually one of the only four positions that matters? That uh, the one that she's been demoted sexist from. Corbin. How fucking dare he? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's not like you can scroll through this literal page or this reshuffle and see male mediocrities everywhere. Fucking Ian Murray, Pat McFadden, Wes Streeting. Oof, let's keep our powder dry. Some, some names jo- there. Jo- some heads. John Healy. <laughs> some bald so, fucking so, so, heads. Some very, yeah, definitely some heads. Yeah, Yeah. so so on the face of it, looks like Miss Nandy has been demoted. In another article, Nandy's shift from Shadow Foreign Secretary to the levelling up brief would traditionally be regarded <laughs> as a demotion. It's like when you hear it in that context, it's like, oh yeah, Shadow Foreign Secretary, that like time on a position. The levelling up brief. Here is how Nandy herself described her new position. A very long title that Michael Gove has concocted for himself. You Use the old like title, you fucking some, idiot. Somebody man. as as Jesus. ruthlessly ambitious as Lisa Nandy, I feel like would probably rather have one of the great offices of state than, and I quote, a very long title that Michael Gove has concocted for himself. I feel like one of these carries more prestige than the other. You know, they still they have towns in other countries too. They do, they do. You can try all sorts of shit. You can bomb the ones in other yeah, countries and, and no one gives a shit for it. Yeah, they have towns, but they're sort of toy town things. They're not real people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Nandy fucking shit canned nandy out to all intents and purposes and there were rumors as well that she'd get demoted in the previous reshuffle but it never transpired yeah but this was after about six consecutive reshuffles where it's like nandy's expected to benefit as one of the top (laughs) performers in the labor party what 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 are we doing what are we doing this week here oh reshuffle What, what are we doing next week here uh relaunch what about the week after that reshuffle and that, uh, relaunch. But it's just the same fucking people every time, and yet he somehow managed to never take a step leftward just, in a single appointment yeah, it, from his original one. That takes skill at this point. It's like a logic puzzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, how, right, how can we make this more right-wing? It's like, yeah, Jenga, like, shifting about, putting people in the correct places. Blairite Jenga. <laughs> <laughs> They'll, they'll start digging up people like James Purnell, who aren't even MPs anymore. So <laughs> start you know, literally like digging them up. Who's a Bla- who's a bad Blairite who's dead? Like <laughs> they'll put like who's they'll put Tessa Jowell in the shadow cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> There's not not that many dead proper Blairites, are there? I'm going to keep that joke about Tessa Jowell in. I think the Statue of Limitations applies here. It's been enough time now. I think there's been some dark bargain by the Blairite inner circle from about 2000 that have just... (laughs) They're all immortal. How have there not been more heart attacks? It's like what I was saying about the divine right of kings, you know. It's the divine right of Blairites to live forever, but it it doesn't apply to chicks. Do zone, do zone. Do zone, do zone yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Jackie Smith or whoever else is still hanging on. <laughs> they didn't promote that many women. Yeah, no, there's not. Like, there's really not. I can name really two Blairite women. Oh, Harriet Harman, I guess she's retiring though. Yeah, Clung on. I think she she wasn't even seen as a Blairite at the time. That shows you how far well, no, because... right the Labour Party has been. Well, she, really. she was seen as like too feminist to be a Blairite. They were like, yeah, yeah. And she mentioned class once and caused the, the entirety of Labour HQ and Downing Street to shit themselves. Yeah. Not to make Harriet Harman sound good. She mentioned class once. Uh, and Hodge is resigning as well. That is some more news that we've got. Mm-hmm. She's stepping down. Because, you know, these people are just political bed blockers. 
They stayed in place, so that a left yeah. winger didn't get selected in 2019. What's that stupid old cunt who made the hugely anti-Semitic joke about shekels? He's standing down as oh, well. Oh, Barry Shearman? Shearman, that's the one, yeah. yeah just, just some, some no-mark cunt. Just some stupid 80-year-old bastard who only still had his seat because if we got rid of him, they might elect someone infinitesimally to his left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why all these people are stepping down now. I saw he's the longest-serving Labour MP, and I'm just like, ah. Oh, Fuck. What a oh, fucking indictment. Bring back fucking, bring back Skinner, man. Although actually it wasn't Frank Field longer serving than Skinner, I can't remember. He'll be he'll be dead soon. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well. In, 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 no, in, in his own account he will be dead soon. So <laughs> it's not a joke about it. You may infer that we are really happy that he's gonna die soon, but we haven't said that. No. No, it's just going by the word of the man himself. Uh, what else have we got? Has Angela Rayner been demoted from any well, of her six jobs? <laughs> nope. Her six jobs are still intact. You know, I, I, I think, I bet she is putting her all in, sorry, she's only got three. No, she's got six. She's got, she's she's got, got six, six titles, Sorry, they added them to her previous jobs. Okay, so she started yeah. off with three and now has six. <laughs> yes, yeah. So the next most high profile, or the next most important change after David Lammy yeah. And certainly the one that has the lobby hooting and hollering is Forensic Yvette. Friend she's of the taken show. Back the, 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 she's taken back the forensic title, which she was probably really bitter about losing to Keir Starmer for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and, and she I'm is... hearing from like Paul War and all the lads that she's yeah. right in there scoring goals against the Tories. She... The Tories were sent off for yeah. an early bath after an encounter with Yvette. Yeah, she's, she's she's kicking goals and making the Tories offside. Yeah, <laughs> she knows the rule. Um, she does. She 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 knows the rule and will will use it forensically. The golden rule like of Nig- politics that is, which yeah, is she, never she, betray the club. <laughs> but... She she's she's like the Martin Keown of centrism. Um, <laughs> but she she's she's a new Home Secretary, so she's not just brought back into the fold. It's it's an important position and. One where someone like her can do a, a huge amount of damage to many British people. Yeah, also um, this personnel change shows how much of a better deal Lammy yep. got than Nandy. Because he just got moved yep. to a different great office of state. Whereas Nandy was just like given some fucking non-job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this, of course... Nandy was given one of the things that Angela Rayner has six of. Yeah. <laughs> And but, Annalise um, Dodds has about, like, 20 of as well. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Just give her a sympathy title every reshuffle. <laughs> yeah. But Yvette Cooper, of course, has previously held this exact role for four and a half years between January 2011 and September 2015. Yeah. And in that time, she just relentlessly shat on immigrants, benefits claimants, the disabled. She was channeling the full Johnson, the full Blunkett, the full Straw. She's a monster. But, you know, she sounds quite good in the 10-second clips you sometimes see on the news that no one who isn't interested in party politics pays attention to anyway. Yeah. And therefore, this is a good appointment. Well, it was an appointment specifically for the media. I mean, instantly, 
the Guardian were there in their editorial praising her as an experienced pair of hands specifically for her track record on immigration policy. Like, the worst shit that she has done in her career. By the way, some absolute prick on Wikipedia, right? So there's this long list of Shadow Home Secretaries dating back to 1955, (laughs) where the modern title was created. It's got all of them from, like, Labour and the Tories, both obviously periods in opposition. It's got, obviously, Diane Abbott as the two before Yvette Cooper from October 2016 to April 2020. And some little cunt has actually put in on under a name, absent 7th of June 2017 to 18th of June 2017. What the... No reference, nothing like that, just simply, uh, you know, no sourcing. Cunt. Uh, no, no due to illness, just... Cunt. Because I'm sure she's the only person in, in, in the last fucking 70 years that's, that's been sick at any point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just, probably fuck, I'm, I'm fucking... I'm, I'm going to edit now. that out while while we're recording. I'm going to remove that from Wikipedia for being unsourced. Yeah, do it, do it. Because I've yeah. got another quote from this Guardian editorial, which I think speaks to the profound sickness of the journalistic psyche in this country. Yeah. They, they, they said in this Guardian editorial, after... The, praising Cooper's impressive performance as the long-standing chair of the Home Affairs Select Committee, that her clashes with Pretty Patel are likely to be Westminster box office. Similarly, one of Starmer's outriders, masquerading as a reporter, the comments journalist Rachel Wearmouth, said... Lisa Nandy in her key role as Shadow Secretary for levelling up slash winning the election. <laughs> Bridget Phillipson in Education Brief versus Nadim Zahawi will be popcorn emoji. Like, I mean, f- fucking... Literally, he's... no one, no, 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 no one who the popcorn emoji is aimed at has heard of either of those people or is ever, ever going to watch five seconds of arguments about education over the dispatch box in Parliament. It's mad. It's the adverts on I'm a Celebrity. Quick, put BBC Parliament on. Let's see what they're up to. Yeah. No, fuck Never off. mind for giving a shit about Bridget Phillipson is some profoundly weird, like, progress, labour students, social review kind of shit. The only time I've, like, fucking heard anything about Nadim Zahawi was when he supported Donald Trump for president and then went on uh, yeah. uh, went on the Andrew Marr show to cry that he wasn't allowed to go to the US to celebrate Trump's inauguration because of a Muslim ban. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a shame, but it's one of the all-time great me-reaping, me-sowing moments. <laughs> that what guy, the people, the, the, the political nerds, like, hang off, like, Nadim Zahawi, like, bossing it at the fuck. Like, the, like, just him, like, oh my god, what law is he gonna support that directly and adversely affects him today? Like, it's just a, like, yeah. a slapstick clown show in Parliament. But also, just the idea that Bridget Phillipson will, will, uh, spice but, up that role as well. But hang on, if Bridget Phillipson's such a great improvement there, what happened to all that bollocks everyone wrote 18 months ago when Kate Green replaced Rebecca Long-Bailey in that role and it was supposed to be an upgrade? Has anyone heard the name Kate is, Green in that 18 Kate months? Green out? Well, no, because they just had Rachel Reeves doing the job, same as when fucking Rebecca Long-Bailey <laughs> was in post. Yeah, what's happened to Kate Green? Is she still in the shadow? Kate Green is 
Yeah, I think she's out entirely. Um, <laughs> let me just have a, have a look. Um, Fuck these people. No, no, no. She is. Yeah, she's. No, she's, she, she's is, out. she is. She is out. Yeah, sorry. I've got a page up. She's out entirely. The previous she Shadow Cabinet. Been... It's done. Her, her job was simply to be a bland person who wasn't as left wing as Rebecca Long Bailey. Who then became she a hate. Get rid of her. She became a hate figure it... in the right wing press anyway, yeah. which is great. <laughs> yeah, of course. As probably will Bridget Phillipson, despite being incredibly right wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's how Britain works, you fucking idiots. <laughs> you can't change that without even trying to oppose it. You can't simply hope the fucking tabloids and particularly the Times and the Telegraph and all these cunts wake up one day and think, oh, we like the colour red now. It's good. Let's all vote Labour. Yeah. No. So so you got, you got John Healy, who is a fiendishly bald no. man. Like, you know... Yeah, he, he's been in the position the whole time, though. He's he's held it through Stammer's entire reign. Oh, okay, reign, yeah, yeah. He's still in... Which, sh- which tells you he is a bad bastard. Yeah, he, because, he's a right-winger. Like, he he yeah. always was. He's just one of the right wingers who happens. He's to be specifically he's a right winger that the right wing trust would defend. That's which is like, bad. Like sorry, Nia. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, your stalwart support of nuclear weapons, NATO, and obvious corruption oh, yeah. by the intelligence services. It's just not enough for us. We're gonna have to bring in a man who proves his his stripes with his bald bonds. It is important to give credit where credit's due. We've not complimented Keir Starmer on much and will probably continue not to do so because he's shit but you know everyone gets something right and we've got to give him props for this fucking got rid of Nia Griffith entirely didn't he just fucking gone from the cabinet Wait, who? Nia Griffith oh yeah sorry I, I, you, Mate, you, Nia. You, you spoke too quick but I was like Nick, yeah. Nick Griffin <laughs> he was here <laughs> fucking hell I knew no, it was no. a right wing he's, he's, he's a replacement yeah, he get promoted <laughs> <laughs> he only kept Neo Griffith around because he was pissed and he fucking read it wrong on his <laughs> The Red Wall Nick is going to come back into yeah, my hands. The and... Red Wall will love him, <laughs> yeah. He'll fucking win Grimsby or something. Yeah, well... So someone tell me where Grimsby is first. Well, she's got Yvette Cooper now. And actually, it was really funny. Yvette Cooper, as soon as she got appointed, like I saw just all these like right-wing freaks posting like the one picture of her holding a sign saying, Refugees welcome. Not reflected at all in her actual politics. But they're all just like yeah. smearing her as like, you know, a friend of refugees. And, you know, it is a smear in her case because it's not true. So it was just really funny to see somebody who is constantly trying out legitimate concern for legitimate concern havers still come in for this shit just like Kate Green being a right wing hate figure and of course the Tories have got this new citizenship bill that is awful fucking fucking racist to the core there's been some great speeches on it Jeremy Corbyn Richard Bergen less impressed by the Dan Jarvis Johnny Mercer amendment which is just like protect our boys within this obviously iniquitous framework (laughs) Although uh, stalwart anti-imperialist Safnan Sanghera was very impressed by that one, I hear. But anyway, Jeremy Corbyn did a great speech on it, and somebody replied to him saying, thanks for speaking out on this, Jeremy. I wish the official opposition had a stronger line on this. And some fucking idiot responded like, oh, no, Starmer doesn't need to speak out. He he will... uh, (laughs) Starmer uh, doesn't need to say anything at all. He he can... uh, I just assume this person is just some oblivious, like, pissed fucking middle class home counties tosser like <laughs> just like no 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 you see, you see Starmer doesn't need to do that uh, Starmer because um, uh, he has got his uh, shadow home secretary Yvette Cooper uh, and, and 
if she says any, if she feels the need to say anything on it, Starmer will agree with her. It's like, oh, right, great, yeah, okay, great. So, I mean, I, I, you, you'd think leaders are supposed to take a slightly more proactive role than that. But anyway, this person evidenced their defense of Starmer for saying literally nothing about this racist bill with a tweet from Yvette Cooper vociferously opposing the bill by pointing out that it does not address the fundamentals of the immigration issue. They bring drugs, they bring crime, they're rapists, etc. And so (laughs) that really assuaged my worries. Because I just think the Tories yeah. aren't pointing out enough that that, that that they bring drugs, they bring crime, etc. And if Keir Starmer's not going to do it, then thank God we've got Yvette Cooper. Yes, forensic Yvette Cooper, call her by her name. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, right. back to... So, so, oh, sorry, say your thing. So, I was, I was going to move on yeah. to what, what we... I was just going to yeah. say one more um, thing about John Healy. You know, yes. all these... He saw all these nasty comments uh, about about the looks of Chris Williamson when he was an MP, you know? You saw a lot of stuff about how ghoulish yeah. he looked, etc. And and look, I'm just saying that the same people who made those comments fucking stan the likes of John Healy, Pat McFadden, and Jim Murphy. The look, Skeletor triplets. Look, if the Chuckle Brothers were bald <laughs> and evil... <laughs> John Healy would be the Barry to Chris Williamson's Paul. <laughs> it's frankly hypocritical to attack the appearance of one and, and not They're the other. Constantly pushing um, to the left and the right. <laughs> and in fact, if anything, Chris Williamson to go full, full creepy would have to go into his like red alert villain cutscene type mode where he cut promos in front of a sinister backdrop like he was the president of an international pariah state. John Healy basically has the same energy to him i'm not just talking about baldness you know there's a whole facial thing with these guys pat mcfadden i i i I extra hate pat mcfadden i want to get bring the new phrenology of the left back yeah 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 big big time because pat mcfadden's just weird yeah this is obviously a good reshuffle for the square heads streeting yeah streeting has been elevated but it's equally a good a good reshuffle for the bald heads as one would expect normally these people the mediocrity i can never fucking remember what they look like because they just have nothing distinctive about their looks or personality (laughs) or anything but i did that tweet ages ago it was like the progress conference and the (laughs) sign behind them was like the landlord's association or whatever the fuck it was (laughs) sponsoring it and it had pat mcfadden looking really embarrassed with a stupid drawn skull head like in the corner of it and that was like the punchline and just ever since that even if i'd not actually tweeted about it it's like, oh, that fucking guy on the rare occasions he crops up anywhere. <laughs> Fuck that cunt. That's such a... <laughs> that's, that's what there's, there's, a, there's like five MPs or something that are just known purely, almost 100% for just being like, yeah, they turn up to all the progress events and they go along with the progress lines and they don't get any attention for it, but they're like loyal right-wingers. And now these people are starting to finally fucking get promoted. Yeah, after um, their long period in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Some of these people joined Parliament at exactly the Ooh. wrong time, and now they're, like, finally starting to enjoy themselves. Yeah. I suppose if we're moving on from John Healy, then next on the list, I see one Mr. Ed Miliband. Yeah, yeah, he's had part of his old brief kept together, so he's still in charge of climate change. It's like climate change and net zero now. Is he in now. charge, though? But he's had... Is he really? 
in charge. Not, he's, he's, not, he's not in charge. He's normally he's in charge. He's in charge but, in the sense um, of Rebecca Long Bailey ex- when she was still in Starmer's shadow cabinet. They've explicitly taken away the, the business part of his Yeah, brief, yeah. I mean, what clearer they... a signal can you give? Like, demote this fucking communist Ed Miliband. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember all the nonsense around the 2015 election of like, oh, he just doesn't get business. Ed Miliband doesn't get business oh, at all. Oh, God, yeah. And it was like really, really fucking the mildest things he was proposing like oh he just doesn't understand the entrepreneurial mindset and all yeah, this shit yeah yeah well the new uh... Starmer actually believes that shit he doesn't realise it was just a constant attack line by the right to undermine he him he does he actually genuinely believes well, it well that's like... been the big revelation of the Starmer period isn't it but all the people who you kind of maybe thought their views had adapted slightly in the Corbyn years they'd thought okay well I fucking hate Corbyn but like maybe we were wrong that the party was too anti-business in 2015 none of them have changed their minds <laughs> like no, they have all awesome. they all like hold exactly the same like ridiculously right-wing views that they did when they tried to make chris leslie the shadow chancellor for example the new so... shadow secretary of the treasury pat mcfadden mentioned a minute ago for his bald fucking head blamed the party's 2015 defeat on ed miliband turning the page on new labor so his appointment is another very clear signal and i mean turn the page back jonathan yeah. reynolds <laughs> despite his appalling hairline just shave it already bro i want to throw in a contemptuous bro there but he is like one of the least objectionable blairites i know that's not saying much but he's the mm. one who has shown some Miliband-esque instincts. He doesn't come across as actively evil, which backs up what you're saying, but he's just a big sack of nothing. He'll do nothing with a brief. The only interesting things he ever does gets drunk once or twice a year and starts beefing with like the mildest criticism in his Twitter response. <laughs> like an evil version of Lloyd Russell Moyle. <laughs> I remember he sarcastically liked a tweet I did once saying that he owed his front bench career to the left. Which I mean who who gave him his front bench job? Jeremy Corbyn, yeah. objectively true. So basically, he has got business and industrial strategy now taken away from Miliband. And yeah, it could be given to a worse Blairite, but at the same time, giving it to somebody from Progress is just as big a signal as you can give. Yeah. In his article on the reshuffle, largely very critical of Starmer, Owen Jones says that business and industrial strategy was taken away from Ed Miliband, although allies believe he emerges enhanced with full control. He emerges enhanced? Like, come on, with full control of the Green New Deal brief. Well, his allies would fucking say that, wouldn't they? they that doesn't mean they believe yeah. it. <laughs> his allies are telling you, a sympathetic journalist, that he is well, He's got less to distract him from it now. Like, come on. I, I totally get what Owen Jones is doing. He wants Starmer out at all costs and so is bigging up people like Rayner and Miliband because he, yeah. he, he for understandable reasons clearly feels like the left for the time being or a bit of a, a busted flush that's not to say he's not on the left although perhaps in moments of anger I have made comments to that effect <laughs> in the past we've all beefed with Owen Jones at some point <laughs> over the last decade but, it's like a left right of passage but there is this kind of desperate spinning for Angela Rayner and Ed Miliband seeping into Owen Jones's articles on the Labour Party it's all like Keir Starmer has done this petty and vindictive thing to Angela Rayner's aid and it's like it is terribly petty and vindictive what they did on the other hand 
He it's quite cunt. funny that it's happening to the Rainer, <laughs> yeah, right? So, yeah, like, yeah. Fuck yeah. Angela Rayner. She said she would suspend like thousands of members of the Labour Party. And like, admittedly, I've said I would probably like unenthusiastically vote if not campaign for her if she challenged Starmer for the leadership just because like Owen I can't fucking see what could be worse than this Um, but on the other hand fuck her on the other hand I don't sympathize with these people and so I'm not so sympathetic to the line about although obviously again it shows what a petty and pathetic man Starmer is the way that he basically sabotaged Angela Rayner's speech on how the Tories are corrupt but not scum can't call can't call them scum can't call them racist whatever she said at conference but she was going to do a big speech on how the Tories are corrupt in her like trademark John Prescott plain talking deputy leader role and then Starmer did this reshuffle and completely overshadowed it and her speech got like no press <laughs> yeah again good example of why Starmer's a bad leader but also i don't give a fuck and it's funny <laughs> let's move other on. than that let's sort of band these together yeah. a little bit because we'll be here all night but nick thomas simmons and <laughs> jonathan ashworth uh, ashworth probably moved sideways I yeah think, yeah from, yeah sort of slightly downward from health to work and pensions it's another important role that he'll do fuck but uh, an- another very um, telling thing it's like they've moved a moderate right winger jonathan ashworth <laughs> that's moderate you see not a mod i didn't just call him a moderate a moderate right winger he's on the right of the party but he's not like that right wing they've replaced him with wes streeting i mean fuck off Fuck Where's Streeting, who's you. probably who's probably positioned himself to start with in this first week or so, slightly to Ashworth's left, which is just damning on how little Ashworth could be asked. Yeah. How easy would it have been to have the health brief during COVID, and even before that, during the real impact of years of Tory cuts starting to hit home, six-figure staff sort of shortages and all that. But it's this. worth saying that uh, Ashworth he, was he, 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 he was he was Corbyn's uh, shadow health secretary as well. And yep. like obviously, there's criticisms yep. to be made with how he handled that role, not just in his policy approach, but in you know fucking telling the media how shit the party is and how fucking shit Corbyn is. But on the other hand, there were good policies, good ideas coming out in the final days of Corbyn while Starmer was running for the leadership and yep. Ashworth was involved in that but then that was because in his defense like probably an element of it was he was more able to take his own initiative because Corbyn had a less top-down approach obviously there was the, the other yep. side was that Corbyn would and McDonald would still be involved and they would still be saying whether or not they thought that was in yeah. keeping with what they wanted in terms of their domestic agenda but Starmer's leadership is so centralized he has such an iron fist on, you know, practically everyone in the Shadow Cab. Well, everyone in the previous Shadow Cabinet. In the first one, they were all being shadowed by Rachel Reeves. He doesn't really trust many of these people. Although, if you are to believe him, he does now. He doesn't really, I guess, trust his previous teams. No, no. I think where we are now is pretty much where Starmore always aimed to get to. Yeah. But you can't go that far to the right in one go. 
certainly not immediately after running on a sort of centre-left leadership campaign. Yeah. You know, I think he was already always envisioning people like Yvette Cooper, Wes Street in, in, in big totally. roles. Rachel Reeves, obviously 100%. That was that was obvious from day one. But the others are just the same vein, just slightly longer and slightly more subtle game to, to get there. Yeah. You couldn't yeah. immediately put those people in because they were so clearly but, on one particular side of the Corbyn thing. Whereas in people yeah. like Nick Thomas Simmons and Annalise Dodds, he had people who would do the right spitting willingly, but who, mm-hmm. instead of being like, oh, that cunt, they were constantly mouthing off to the media for the last five years. Members would just be like, who the fuck is Nick Thomas Simmons? Yeah, yeah. Apart from like, the soft left the other day, he was like, oh, Nick Thomas Simmons, oh, this is like my great. fantasy appointment. I predict Never mentioned that... him before, but I he's pre- brilliant. I predict brilliant. that he's going to be the longest-serving shadow film secretary of all time. Fuck's not, not, not what I mean that Starmer's going to never get into government or anything. I didn't mean that to imply that. <laughs> I think the beautiful thing about Wes, Wes Streeton's appointment to health is that we now have someone who was doing unpaid lobbying for McDonald's at one point <laughs> as a minister for health. Yeah. I think pretty much every health secretary and shadow health secretary of any party in the last 20 years has been trying to like tackle childhood obesity and junk food marketing and things like that. Where Streeton's like, I'm tweeting, I am so broken, I have to go to McDonald's. <laughs> the Labour Party launches new pro-childhood obesity initiative. <laughs> Honestly, man. Yeah, another one I want to, kind of want to highlight as well. They fucking appointed Lucy Powell to like digital culture, media and sport. <laughs> Was it not her who had some completely illiterate anti-anonymity online bill or oh, something? Oh, all of them. Um, fucking support that everyone who's been in parliament for a couple of no but i mean she she drafted a fucking policy or something Uh, back in 2018 she's just a total yeah it was to like ban hidden social media groups (laughs) i.e whatsapp chats uh, any facebook group would have to be public like (laughs) she she, she found out that was completely illiterate she had no understanding of like how the internet works at all yeah Mm. that sounds about right for the labor secretary of state for digital culture media and sport I think Lucy Powell, though, she's just, like, such an arch-mediocrity. I find it really hard to care about her. She's been a presence in politics for as long as I can remember, and yet hardly a presence at all. She's just there. I don't don't care. The best thing she did was uh, be in that Labour documentary where she... Again, wasn't even the worst person in the documentary. She just seemed really clueless and out of her depth and confused mm. by the fact people wanted generally policies. Generally how she comes across. Again, not not evil, even though her politics are quite awful. Like, she just seems to sort of genuinely be like, oh, is this not good? Uh, <laughs> why, why, why do people not like that? Yeah. You know? Just a bit sort of slightly bemused by by any different view or any sort of challenge to anything she already thinks they're not sending their best really are they at the moment the the labor right no speaking of not sending their best one of the many (laughs) jess phillips supporters promoted in this shadow cabinet reshuffle was Peter Kyle. Yeah, that's who I was going to come to next. What a yeah, gun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> bell end. Is he not the guy that Luke Stanger, Luke Stanger, whatever, however you pronounce it, is like a big fan of and used to work oh, for probably. and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, you know, anyone, you know, these like people are fans of anyone who's a for Peter Kyle. Will this person let me carry their bag? Okay, I am their fan. Peter Kyle is just shit, man. Just an abject mediocrity again. But one who was probably, you know, more, like, openly contemptuous of the Corbyn project 
than like say mm-hmm. Lucy Powell. He is the Shadow Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. I just checked his Wikipedia. No <laughs> discernible links to Ireland or Northern Ireland. No. No. Um, <laughs> he worked as an aid worker in Eastern Europe and the Balkans. That's a, that's a bit like yeah. Ireland, you know, war-torn like Belfast as they, portrayed in they, Sons they, of Anarchy. They've had... They've had troubles, the Balkans had troubles, the Wikipedia entries for both confuse me. Let's give Kyle the job, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he's a Blairite. They love Tony Blair in Northern Ireland because he single-handedly solved the troubles. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, but he, he properly is as hardcore a Blairite as you, you get from a comparatively young MP or youngish MP. He's not young at all, is he? He's fucking 51. No, he's, but... he's not at all. Okay. No, he's... he's... <laughs> Again, he's one of these people who's just sort of... He lived through Blair around on the sea list for a long a time, time, and now he's getting promoted because everyone else has either been disgraced or got lucrative private sector jobs or is a lord, you know. <laughs> so that's why they're left with the fucking Peter Kyles and Bridget Phillipsons and Wes Streetins as their big hopes. Yeah. And that's why they're making such a push to make sure that every fucking constituency has a right-wing PPC <laughs> because, say we get roughly a hung parliament and you've got fucking, I don't know, 265 MPs elected, the chances are, if 250 of them are right-wing, chances are a handful of them are going to be, like, talented right-wingers, i.e. good at getting their, their policies across, and you, you don't have to fucking pretend these people are good anymore for much longer. Yeah, like good communicators like Wes Streeting. Mm-hmm. Having said that, we've seen what the future candidates program looks like and i think maybe getting a handful out of 250 actually turning out to be able is quite a reach mm, optimistic so yeah we go through a few that haven't changed like obviously labor have not yeah. won another scottish seat since ian murray was appointed the shadow secretary of state for scotland annalise dodds so get is still in women equalities position as well as chair of the labor party and of course jenny chapman yep. Baroness Chapman of Darlington <laughs> remains indispensable. Yes, we'll never ever lose that position unless she gets promoted from it. As Shadow Minister. Or <laughs> unless Keir Starmer gets punished, which is the more likely route. She is Shadow um, Minister of State at the Cabinet Office, which is, yeah. you know, one of those kind of non jobs that's just like, I need you by my side. Yeah. Don't fall apart on me tonight, to quote the great Bob Dylan song on which the late, great Robbie Shakespeare plays. Next up, we have frightening ghoul Pat McFadden as Shadow Chief Secretary to the Treasury. Yeah, just means we've got more right-wingers pushing Treasury policy. Um, yeah. Obviously not a good it's thing in any way. It's that he's uh, in an economic role, but I mainly know him for his deeply reaction reviews on foreign policy his middle name's bosco that's cool bosco okay he was shadow oh man he was chair of scottish labor students that's somehow the most right-wing thing on his wikipedia page above all his positions that's got to be even worse than normal labor students he got sacked on the same day as michael duger in january 2016 well yes he was part of a dugerite plot uh, which yeah. was basically 
So Corbyn, right, so no, I, I won't start this sentence with Corbyn. Corbyn was not responsible for the terrorist attack in Paris in late 2015, regardless of what I believe John Rental said at the time and had to... published a grovelling apology, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think he said he did it. I think he just said he uh, supported them or something. Anyway... No, he, he, said, he said stuff like this was like Corbyn's fault or Corbyn was going to defend it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corbyn will probably say this is good or some, some, some stupid And he apologised, like which a couple of years later when things yeah. had gone completely mad, he never would have had to do. But Pat McFadden, no. he had the ingenious brainwave that fuck i've got this thing called parliamentary privilege and i can just pretty much stand up in parliament as a labor shadow minister and say more or less that the labor leader, leader supports isis <laughs> you just be like uh, <laughs> it was one of those things that labor mps would do when corbyn was leader where they would stand up at prime minister's questions and ask the prime minister then david cameron a question that was a coded attack on their own leader. So it would essentially be some variation on it. Uh, Mr. Prime Minister, could you uh, please confirm that uh, the Honourable Leader is a big fat cunt? And David Cameron would say, yes, indeed, uh, the Honourable Member for Islington North is a total cunt. And Pat McFadden basically did this. He stood up and was like, Mr. Prime Minister, isn't it terribly wrong that some on my own benches would like to attribute terrorist incidents to the military actions of the West? And he made some comment about how Corbyn opposed shoot to kill in all, you know, Corbyn had made some comments about shoot to kill and how it wasn't appropriate in all circumstances, which Laura Koonsberg and the intrepid Newsnight team, I don't know what to say, they edited it. They made, they made it look like he said something he didn't, but he'd oppose it in like all cases and disingenuously reported what he'd said and handed the right a big stick to beat Corbyn with. When he said, no, we shouldn't shoot to kill in all cases, they were like, uh, uh, no, kill, 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 they must be killed, we must cleanse ourselves in the blood of the infidels. Basically, yeah, when it came to killing, it wasn't fucking Corbyn who sounded like ISIS. There were a lot of people like Pat McFadden and Laura Koonsberg effectively baying for the blood of the infidels. Anyway, he asked this, and obviously David Cameron dutifully, David Cameron, smart guy, realised what was going on and was dutifully like, yes, uh, it is true that the Honourable Member for Islington North uh, can suck my balls. <laughs> <laughs> so basically implying that Corbyn was, uh, at the very least, an apologist for ISIS was a bit too far even for a Labour shadow minister in the Corbyn era. So he got sacked, and then I think, like, Michael Duggar and that all resigned in... in no, he, him and... He, Michael Duggar got sacked at the same time for being a cunt yeah. in yeah. similar but subtly different ways. So they both got sacked, yeah. and then a load of, like, dickheads like i think jonathan reynolds uh, resigned in solidarity with them yeah the next day the next so day so that's where um... i remember pat mcfadden from just being an even bigger pro-war ghoul than he looks yeah yeah that's about it for the, the reshuffle really emily thornbury to shadow attorney general which kind of makes sense and has pissed off a few right wingers yeah what but... was she before she got demoted in the Once. previous one didn't she yeah i think she had been shadow foreign secretary before starmer took over yeah 
he replaced her with Nandi. She got moved to be in the Secretary of State for International Trade, replacing Barry Gardner. So still oh, okay. a move to the right, slightly, I guess. Maybe a lateral move, really, because they're both sort of problematic Labour, genuine moderates. Dude, sorry. I've just seen a picture of a picture of Roy Kennedy, Baron Kennedy of Southwark. His head. I was swearing <laughs> his head, man. I was it? trying not to comment on that How earlier because that who the fuck heard of Kennedy? What the fuck? Honestly, that is that a real like? What the guy, fuck? I, I know we've done this before, but if you don't know who Lord Kennedy of Southwark is, who Southwark? Like, why would you? It's, it's in London. Um, it's the kind of place that should not yeah. have a fucking lord. Southwark. Fuck yeah, off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This this guy's head, he looks like... A lot of people listening to this would have played the sort of classic Grand Theft Auto games. He looks like the head shape that all the characters in Grand Theft Auto 3 specifically have. But he's like aged 30 years since that game came out. <laughs> it is insanely um, rectangular. Yeah. He looks very, very pleased with himself as well. You've got, what, you've got to like, post a who, picture who the, of him on Twitter. and, and... <laughs> Who the fuck is he? He's um, like the shadow leader in the Lords or something, isn't he? Yeah, no, that's, that, that's specifically his position, but like, what's his background? Oh, he was he's just like a, an in-house organiser guy. A David Instrumental Evans. in the defeat of the militant MP Dave Nellis, who'd been deselected as a Labour a candidate in 1992. MP, Dave Nellis, one of the best MPs yeah. the Labour Party had in that era, so... Yep. Great, great yep. stuff. A man of actual principle, yep. Yep, a man who yeah, only cared about his community. Re- regional director of the East Midlands area from 1997 oh, to 2005. Yeah, okay, yeah. We know what yeah, that means. Mafia. That is the heartland of Tom <laughs> it is Watson, what it is. of Lordy and Austin, <laughs> all the rest of them. He's probably bullied a lot of people in his time. <laughs> At the end of 2005, he took up the post of Director of Finance and Compliance. Uh, uh, yeah, he's obviously done a great job and left a great legacy there as I, well. I reckon this... Uh, so that gets you a lordship. I reckon um, this guy is yeah. a long-time friend of David Evans. They sound like two peas in a pod. Factional yeah. bruisers. Fucking... Jesus, yeah. His wife is also a life peer on the Labour benches, <laughs> because of course she is. <laughs> well, she'd feel uh, left out if he got one and she didn't. Yeah, yeah, got to keep it in the family. God, um, I, I'm just looking at Alan Campbell, who's been the chief whip since a few months ago when Starmer demoted Nick Brown in his previous reshuffle because allegedly Nick Brown favoured letting Jeremy Corbyn back into the Parliamentary Labour Party. So you'll be surprised to learn that Alan Campbell, who voted in favour of committing UK troops to the Iraq war, does not seem to be in favour of letting Jeremy Corbyn back into the Parliamentary Labour Party. Funny that. Funny that. So... Just as a as a last bit, we need to we need to finish soon. We've been recording ages, yeah. right? As we speak, the British Journalism Awards are going oh, on. Great. They're mostly just sort of mildly bad, rather than glaringly bad. They're not just like giving awards to Rod Little and stuff like that. <laughs> but the winner of the Comment Journalism Award, um, Raphael Bear, for his article about how Corbyn gave him a heart attack. Close, Marina. Hyde <laughs> yeah, obviously, that's what you win it every year. Oh, it's Marina the again. Delicious articles. Skewering Alexander Feffel de Boris Johnson or whatever the fuck they <laughs> they think they're going to bring him down by calling him a glorious victory for people who say wank puffin. Great stuff. Yeah, they're mostly just quite boring Be- awards, which is probably as good as you're going to get from the British Journalism Awards. Best investigative uh, journalist 
Oz Katerji. Congratulations to Emma Barnett for being crowned this year's interviewer of Fucking the year. That's hell. real. Are you going? That's are real. you going to nationalise sausages? Yeah, yeah. What else uh, is no, just being no. wildly transphobic anytime she gets someone who isn't gender critical no, on a uh, show. Seriously, yeah. seriously, are you, are you seriously saying that you don't think billionaires are a good thing? You know, uh, people aspire to be billionaires. My father, for example, aspired to be a billionaire in the field of sex trafficking. <laughs> yes. Yes. What, what a piece sex of workers, shit. terrible people, really bad. But people exploiting the sex workers actually fine. Good. Yeah, yes. It Noble, se- in seems fact. like um, pimp. Oh, never mind. I, I can't. I can't. I don't even know what these people say. I don't pay attention to. I don't pay attention to uh, sex worker exclusionary radical feminists or whatever. So the Energy and Environment Journalism Award has been won by someone from the Daily Express called John Ingham. Look. Unrelated to the fact that that award is sponsored by Ovo Energy. <laughs> I have always said... (laughs) Ovo Energy, who in their bio on Twitter have, we'd like you to know that your energy supply with Ovo is perfectly safe. (laughs) I've always said the Daily Express is the most progressive UK paper on climate change. They know it's a hoax. They know it's all pseudoscience. They publish enlightened voices like Piers Corbyn. Yeah, they they may have been platforming Piers Corbyn for about 25 years, but other than that, they're really good on climate. Oh, these are getting... these are getting worse as I scroll down the thread, I'm just by happy the way. to see a Corbyn getting a sympathetic uh, <laughs> rep in the British media. Look, yeah. Yeah, it's about time that family caught a break, to be honest. Scoop of the year. The news of the Matt Hancock affair from the Sun oh, team. Who so gives there's like five of them up on stage. Who gives There's like five fuck? of them up on stage. Front and centre, Harry Cole. He's aged another <laughs> ten years since COVID hit. He looks about 55. Oh, yeah. He's sweating. Have you he's, seen Alex Wickham's balls? He's the now? happiest he's been since his fiance left him. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Well, he's probably loving that. Even in that happy moment, even in that happy moment, the word affair is behind him on a big screen. <laughs> you got to that I'd say sadness in his eyes, but his facial structure is such that you can't actually see his eyes when he smiles anymore. <laughs> he's that. You fucked. were talking about how um, much he's aged. Have you seen that Alex Wickham is bald now? Yeah, yes, good it's, the, the, it's good to know there's some sort of curse associated with Guido Fox because yeah. they're never going to face any actual professional consequences he, he lost... for writing for that racist <laughs> just, blog. Just so many Guido Fox employees just keep losing their hair in tragic drink driving accidents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry that I doubted you. I was so unfair. You were in a car crash and you lost your hair. The winners of this year's Anti-Corruption Journalism Award are Gabriel Pogrund and John Collingridge. <laughs> okay, uh, what have they done to combat corruption? They've left the WhatsApp group that they were in. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. But when I think anti-corruption, I think the Sunday Times. Yeah, because that's the thing. Um, like, I, I, I only really know Pogrund's stuff on the Labour Party. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and like, to be honest, I gave him a follow hoping that he'd have loads of juicy scoops on Starmer and, and his corruption, and I've been pretty disappointed. <laughs> it's almost like he lost interest as soon as his stupid book came out. Yeah, 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 it does feel a little bit like he's no longer as interested in yeah. railroading the Labour Party on a daily basis now that the left aren't in control. This year, the Campaign of the Year award goes to Daily Mail's Betrayal of the Brave. <laughs> The same campaign about properly supporting our troops that they've been running every year for as long as I've been alive. Great. Brilliant. Well done. Innovative campaign. Got to support the troops. Got to support Sa- the troops. Sa- Safnam and... Sanghera told me, and it's clearly the anti-imperialist view in that case. Yeah. News Provider of the Year Award 
which is, you, you think is quite a major award at the Journalism Awards, gone to The Fucking Guardian. That lies, lies and smears. Yeah, most of these are just boring. Journalist of the Year is that Robert Moore guy from ITV. Don't know who that is. Um, Smartest journalist, no, I, I... Jane Merrick. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. I presume Journalist of the Year was the big one at the end, so I think we're done. They've not given that many racists an award this year. Only so... a couple. Only a couple, only a handful. The entire Sun um, team. Yeah, yeah. What a state of affairs. But it is hilarious that that's going on where probably half of people in the room were like at that party and sweating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How many acceptance speeches do you reckon like dedicated it to Allegra Strat? <laughs> like, the first one under the bus. Do you reckon, uh, did Pippa Sreira get anything? What she, she? I mean, obviously she's <laughs> awful, but she broke. If anyone else had heard of and his shit got an award, I'd have said because I want to vent on it. But no. Well, she wasn't. Didn't she break the party story? I think like ITV were saying, oh, we've had this shit for months. We didn't think it was in the public interest. But apparently, Pippa Sreira was the one who first reported it because I guess she's a shameless partisan for the Labour right and was like, oh, this might help get yeah. Starmer elected. Which like. You know, fair enough, good to have outriders. I just wish that they wouldn't pretend to be reporters. But yeah, like, it's weird that she didn't get best scoop for that, to be honest. But I guess maybe it, it didn't they, they might have. They might have made their shortlists, mm. like, six weeks ago or something like that. Next you know, year, Pippa. Next year. Next year. Next year, when all the consequences of it will be felt. <laughs> And there'll be a lasting two-point Tory lead instead of four-point Tory <laughs> lead. Or they'll just have got rid of Johnson by then and Michael Gove will be 15 points ahead or something. Yeah, I, yeah actually, I think that Pip... <laughs> That's probably the most likely. <laughs> I think Pippa Sverar broke that story at precisely the wrong time to get a British Journalism Award for it. Because like it's like when you put an album out after all yeah. the music publications have done their album of the year list. They're going <laughs> to have forgotten about it in a year's time. You're not going to yeah. make next year's list. It's going to have been superseded by, like, Rachel Wearmouth finds that Corbyn posted from the river to the sea on Facebook in like 2008. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's end on a, on, on, a, on a poetic reading. Retrace our steps back to the start. So, yes. this, this forms the basis of a children's book. Man gave names to all the animals in the beginning. In the beginning. Man gave names to all the animals in the beginning, a long time ago. He saw, he, that's man, man, mankind, you know, he's up on a hill. It's the bridge. Yeah, okay, so he saw an animal, <laughs> he saw an animal up on a hill, chewing up so much grass until she was filled. He saw milk coming out, but he didn't know how. Ah, I think I'll call it a cow. A pivotal moment in the history of, of, of both man and cow kind. When the, the cow got its name. There are many things I find funny about this song. Man gave names to all the animals, if you couldn't work that out from the refrain. One of them is that not only is chewing grass cited as one of the primary characteristics of a cow, but also I think of a sheep. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. It is uh, not the cows eating grass on a hill and the sheep is eating grass on a mountainside. <laughs> also, why would man be so perplexed by the fact milk was coming out of the cow? 
would he not make the educated assumption that the milk was coming out in accordance with the same principles that lead milk to come out of humans? Similarly, there's a verse about a bear where the only adjective used for the bear in the entire verse is furry. (laughs) It's just big furry paws and he liked to howl. Great big furry back and furry hair. Ah, I think I'll call it a bear. (laughs) So that's a a great uh, hymnal classic from Bob Dylan's Slow Train Coming, 1979. His first album as a born-again Christian. But also, one might ascertain from some of the lyrics, his first album as a born-again gapesist? Could it be? Because on the very first track gotta serve somebody in one of the verses he says you might like to wear cotton might like to wear silk might like to drink whiskey might like to drink milk might like to put them together in the same factory (laughs) but you're gonna have to serve somebody is is the point whether you're a a milk fan a whiskey fan a fan of both mixed together you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. Maybe it be the devil. It may be the Lord. It may be warlord of the southern Ilford area, Michael John Gapes. But you're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to have to serve somebody. I think Larry David's inflections are, cre- <laughs> are creeping into... <laughs> and he does that kind of thing, you know. Well, I was going to say an awkward situation, but practically every scene in Kirby Enthusiasm is an awkward situation of some sort. Yes. But yeah, I would say these two lyrics, uh, I think it's fascinating that they're on the same album. They both seem to be inspired by the way of the Lord, which is fascinating. And it's probably the deepest that Bob Dylan would lean into gapesism in his music until 2006, when he would declare as I have alluded to a number of times on this podcast, on the song Thunder on the Mountain, that he has sucked the milk out of a thousand cows. <laughs> well, Michael Gapes has. We found, we found <laughs> a couple has. of tweets where he talks about how he likes Bob Dylan. Uh, that, was, that was pretty much it. That was the other thing that we did in the, in the bit of the episode that we lost. So, yeah, I think we've made up for lost time now. I think we've we've compensated. Yeah, more than enough, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that turned out pretty well in the yeah, end. Man. Yeah, man. So it's, it's all good. All right, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this reshuffle rundown. <laughs> Husband.